0: hey all and welcome back to the magic story podcast i'm your host Harless, and i'm your other host natalie if you're
1: looking for an easy to grok explanation into the lore and the characters of the stories behind the card game magic the gathering happening right now the magic story podcast is the best place to start this season is all about our murder mystery set called Murders at Karlov Manor.
0: Today's episode is episode five of the main story titled Chains of Expectation, and it's written by Shannon McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse.
1: All right, also a quick recap of what has been going on in murders at Karlov Manor so far in the story. We are following two investigative parties from the Agency of Logical Investigations. One is made up of Kaya and Kellen. The other one is made up of Alquist, Proft, and Atrada. Last episode, we had seen Kaya and Kellen through the whole episode, and we followed Kaya as she went to the agency after her good friend Taysa had been murdered. She talks to Ezra about how she had found Taysa's body and actually teams up with Kellen as head of the investigation into the crimes behind not only Taysa's murder, but also Zagana's. And they were walking through the agency and they ran across a Boros investigator who is a ghost named Agris Koss. And Agris is kind of involved and kind of doing some investigative work on behalf of Boros. Um, But he doesn't seem super happy about it. And at the very end of last episode, Kaya and sweet baby Kellen went to a Rakdos nightclub called Hellbender in order to confront Judith, who Ezra believes is might be it's their closest lead to whoever might be involved with the murders because judith had not checked in with the agency when every other guild leader had and so they go to hellbender and it's so clear that kellen is way over his head in in hellbender it was adorable and judith kind of just very blatantly tells them i had nothing to do with the murders and that Kaya and Kellen should look at the Guild Pact. They should read the Guild Pact that is currently at V2 um, And she didn't really divulge why. It was kind of this very random request, but it's the closest lead that Kaya and Kellen have. So that's where we left off last
0: episode. And this episode opens with Proft and Etrada as they are headed toward the last place that Etrada remembers being before she woke up, quote, at the party and where they're going happens to be one of Etrada's places to kind of hole up when she's trying to hide in Demir territory which alquist has not really been in before he's not really he's been there but he's not very familiar with Demir territory and i think he feels a little out of his element here but they eventually reach a door and etrata asks prof to turn around so she can perform an elaborate series of taps and presses on this random brick wall, and to her surprise, he acquiesces and gives her privacy. He just keeps surprising Etrada with his trust in her, which is seemingly kind of disarming her, right, and making her seem to kind of trust him in return, which is really an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I see a friendship sort of forming between Proft
1: and Etrada. Like, it was kind of convenience. I mean, Etrada obviously wants to clear her name. And and get herself out of this mess because she, she didn't murder Zagana, or at least she doesn't remember murdering Zagana. And Proft just wants to solve the case, but it's clear that there's some camaraderie going on where it's like they they're definitely becoming friends, which it was really cool to see. Where it's
0: very unlikely friends, the very unlikely. Too like totally the assassin opposite and the people. detective. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no. So yeah. it's great. And Atrata as she's. Tapping away on this brick wall, it opens a hidden door and the two, Proft and Etrada, step inside into one of her hideouts. And Proft tells Etrada that he appreciates her cooperation with his investigation. And she just responds that, of course she is. And I'll read this from the story. I don't remember going to that party, much less getting ready for it, said Etrada. Where did I get the clothes I was wearing when they arrested me? There may be a dead member of the Slesnia Conclave stuffed in a box somewhere, waiting to be found. And if that's so, I don't remember killing them either. Do you remember everyone you've killed? Yes, she snapped. I'm a professional. I don't kill for free, and I don't forget the dead. I won't pretend to have some high-minded reason for doing the work I do. I'm good at it. I enjoy it well enough. I like getting paid. But I'm an assassin, not a murderer. The guild doesn't look kindly on unsanctioned hits, which means I'm not just in trouble with the Azorius. I'm in the bad books of the house as well.
0: What I still don't understand is why you're helping me. And Proft tells her that she represents a very interesting puzzle that he wants to solve, that this just doesn't add up right now, and he wants to make sense of everything that's happening. Why would she kill a guild leader, allegedly? Why was she clumsy in her escape? Why didn't she cover her trail? Why doesn't she have any memory of killing Zagana? So they go further into the room and Proft begins to assess the scene. He's kind of assessing it like a crime scene, right? Because this is the last place that she remembers anything before she was at that party and being accused of murdering Zagana. And pretty quickly, Proft notices a yellow gray dust on her bedside table. And Etrada doesn't know what it is. So Proft secures it in a jar, careful not to touch it. And he theorizes that it must have had something to do with her missing time because it's not a cosmetic that she put on. He, he asks her, I loved this. He asks her, do you often put cosmetics on in bed? Cause he's trying to rule out what this dust could possibly be. Right. And so, and she's like, no, like, why would I, I mean, who puts their makeup on in bed? Right. If you do that more power to you, but I, that seems strange. Uh, it's a very interesting question. He asks her, but you know, ultimately, um, They really think, okay, this is our clue. This is the only clue they have at this point.
1: So Atrata decides not to touch anything else in the room, lest it be contaminated by that powder stuff. And the two turn to leave, Proft trailing Atrata.
0: But before they get very far, Atrata hears a thump and a yelp. And she's an assassin. She figures out what's going on. She immediately knows that Proft is being attacked behind her. And for a moment... She thinks of just walking away. She thinks I could just leave. Nobody would know I was even here and Prof would be taken care of and I could be on my merry way. But ultimately, she realizes the truth. She's a wanted fugitive and her best chance of clearing her name is to work with Prof to do so. He seems to be smart. He seems to want to help her. And who is she to look a gift horse in the mouth, right? So she turns around, knives in hand and sees who is attacking Proft. And that is Massacre Girl. Now, I love Massacre Girl. She is chaotic, to say the least. And I'm going to kind of describe her a little bit for you. So she wears the black and red colors of Rakdos, but her costuming is very jester-like, like like a court jester. She has black hair with these very blunt, short, straight-across bangs that are very cute. And she has this creepy, as can be, Harlequin smile painted on her face, and there's an art piece from this scene. And Massacre Girl just looks gleeful as she is attacking Proft on the ground. I mean, this is just not a fair fight. You know that from the story. You can see it in the picture. Yeah, no. Uh, Massacre Girl is I, I love Massacre Girl. She,
1: <laughs> she is a little off the walls. I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. Oh yeah. Um, but I almost love that about her because you can't really guess what she's up to she's gonna be the one that's just gonna be cackling as she's attacking you like it's it's kind of creepy but i just i just can't help but kind of like a character like that she's just so wild oh, yeah. she's she's definitely the
0: the wild card of the bunch like you're exactly. not gonna be she- able to know or predict her she's the one that's gonna throw a wrench in the plan every single time just by existing and maybe not even intending to i i think she's really delightful like yeah uh Very morbidly delightful, macabre but delightful. Yes, (laughs) yes.
1: And Harless, you said that this is not a fair fight against Proft. No, it is not. Etrada barrels towards Massacre Girl, kind of knocking her over. So I think Etrada is a little bit more of a match for Massacre Girl than than Proft is. Um, But Massacre Girl recovers quickly and kind of just has a pause here where she recognizes who this other person is, and she. Kind of lowers her weapons and, and asks, Etrata? And the two stop fighting right there. And Massacre Girl tells Atrata that she got in through the skylight, which had been broken in a recent storm, but she didn't think Atrada would actually be here, considering that Atrada is supposed to be in the in Azorius custody, right? She's supposed to be in jail. She wouldn't have taken the job if she'd known Atrada was out of imprisonment. And this is when Atrata tells Massacre Girl that she didn't actually kill Zagana, and that Massacre Girl tells Atrada that she was hired to kill Proft and leave his body as a
0: warning to stay out of guild business. Remember, guilds are everything on Ravnica, and the agency just by existing challenges that notion. So while Massacre Girl doesn't reveal who hired her, it could have been anybody from any of the guilds that just wanted to send the agency a message to mind their own business but my speculation here is that it was someone from Boros or Azorius, right? Like, they're the ones that seem to have the biggest problem. That would make agency. the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Massacre Girl just heads out. She's done. She's like, okay, I'm, I guess I won't finish this job because you're here. And i sorry. Sorry, my friend. I didn't mean to interrupt, you know. Yeah. And something and- something to note is, like, Massacre Girl and Atrada, they're not friends,
1: but they are familiar. They're in the same professions. You know, like they're both assassins. So there's a sense of respect there where, you know, as soon as Massacre Girl saw Etrada and kind of lowered her weapons, there's just a sense of respect because they're both professional assassins. So just like they're not friends, but
0: like you said, Harless, they're friendly. Exactly. And before Massacre Girl leaves, she makes one of her signature Oddly cheerful, yet very macabre comments to Proft. She tells him she's sorry for not killing him because it looks bad on both of them. And then she like grins wildly, like wildly, and says, there's always next time. <laughs> so she's just unhinged, I love her. <laughs> so Atrata and Proft now recovered from the attack, which was thankfully mostly shallow cuts. Remember, Rakdos is all about spectacle and blood splatter is arch to them. So she made these like shallow cuts. So she didn't really injure him too badly. So the two of them, Etrada and Prof, head off again, this time to see a friend of Prof's who might be able to tell them what that powder is.
1: So from here, we switch to Kaya and Kellen, who are on their way to Vitugazi, And I'll read this next part from the story. When last Kaya had seen Vitugazi. The great living Guildhall had been dormant, so deeply damaged by the god Eternals that even the mighty City Tree had been unable to sustain itself. She had known at the time that Vitu Ghazi was not dead. If the Guildhall had actually been destroyed in the battle, Selesnya's mourning would have been enough to tear the plane apart. Still, she hadn't been there to see the City Tree assume its new form, and as she and Kellen set off to follow Judith's parting instruction, she had to wonder what they would find.
0: So Kaya and Kellen head out that way. And although they hire a carriage to take them to Bidugazi, their driver stops at the edge of a rocky moor and tells them this is as far as he's going to go. This is as far as he goes. The road ends here. And when Kaya presses him as to why he didn't just let them know that so that they could have figured out a way to cross the moor, you know, maybe they wanted to pack some hiking boots or something, right? Their driver responds that, you know, he could have told him, but Kaya could have been here when the Phyrexians came. So we're still seeing that hatred for Kaya and potentially all planeswalkers in the citizens of Ravnica in the wake of the Phyrexian invasion.
1: Oh, man, when I when I read this and I heard that carriage just be passive aggressive about like, well, you could have been here when the Phyrexian, I was just like, oh, like. Like I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to defend Kaya so badly in that moment because I'm like, "What do you know, carriage driver? Kaya saved Kamigawa. What did you do?" Yeah, <laughs> I was, like, right. So upset
0: on Kaya's behalf. <laughs> uh, absolutely, it was. It's very. I mean, listen there are always going to be people who don't agree with what you're doing. There are always going to be people who don't like what you're doing, but Kaya is really in a rough spot because it seems like everyone is against her. And that is why, man, oh man, fame, fame would not be for me, my friend. Like I could not handle that level of just having so many people hate you at the same time. Like that just sounds so brutal, but you know, she, she swallows it. She just kind of, Moves on, what's the point in arguing with this random carriage driver, right? It's not gonna fix anything, it's not gonna solve anything. And so Kellen and Kaya take off walking toward their destination. And here, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? We learned something that I have been dying to know ever since we started reading this story, which is, where is Amalia? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I was like so happy to read
1: this part. We have been wondering where she went off to after the end of last season, when she and Kellen had walked through the Omen Pass together. And we find out from Kellen here that she's in the Rubble Belt, working on an ancient ruin. And he follows it with, she doesn't really sit around waiting for my adventures to happen. And, and she wouldn't, that. would she? Um, no, she's, she's got her own adventures to
0: do. Amalia has that really cool power, remember, where she? she's a cartographer, she makes maps, and she can um, change her map and change the world around her to reflect what she put on her map which is a really cool power so i imagine she's being pretty helpful in that ancient ruin and that she's just having a blast because that's what she likes to do right we that's what she did on ixalan was delve through ancient ruins with kellen so she's well versed in it she's a true adventurer at this point and i'm i was just really excited to uh hear about that so kaya goes on to ask what Vidugazi is doing all the way out here, and I'm just going to read you Kellen's response here. This park is part of the conclave's holdings. After the invasion, the guild hall was weak and needed to be semi-dormant for a little while to recover its strength, he said. Mount Selesnya told Tristani that Vidugazi needed space to put down new root structures if it wanted to return to its former strength, and she moved to the guild hall here. It's going to take a long time, but This was deemed the best place for Vidugazi to reconnect with the plane and properly recover. So, lots to kind of unpack there. And their trip here is
1: interrupted by a howl that just stops them in their tracks. And as the wolf gets closer, Kaya recognizes the animal. His name is Voja, and he is with Tulsamir. So remember that white wolf that we mentioned that is always around the guild leader of Slesnia? This is Voja. And Tulsimir tells them that they weren't expecting visitors today and that there are precautions in place after what happened to Zagana. But he relents and takes them to the doors of Vitugazi. Here's the story's description of what they see when they approach. The towering Guildhall had reconfigured itself as it came to rest in the open moor. Formerly a tall tree cupping a grand city, it was now a tangle of roots draped around and across what looked like a remote country manor, modest in comparison to what it had been before, although still grand enough to rival Karlov Manor. Kaya knew the edifice couldn't be more than a year old, but it managed to carry the impression of having been there before. Wood weathered by the passage of time, windows drooping drooping slightly at the corners as they could no longer hold themselves entirely open. A single trunk still stood, taking the form of a gnarled oak that stood higher than the house itself. Shading the roof with its branches and roots broke the soil all around the foundation, making it as uneven and rippled as the living sea. Tulsimir smirked as he looked at her, judging her reaction. Like Ravnica itself, Vitugazi may be transformed, but still, the city tree stands. This way, Tristani will receive you.
0: The doors swung open as the group approached, apparently responding to their presence, and they continued inside, through the vaulted entrance hall and past a guild checkpoint into a smaller, cozier receiving room. The walls were lined with bookshelves clustered with volumes of Ravnican history, and at the center of the room, another oak tree grew, No, not another, the same oak. There was only one tree after all, and it was the tree outside and the tree inside and the manor itself. Kaya, who had beheld the true world tree of Kaldheim and the twisted invasion tree of New caught her breath, awed despite herself as the three largest branches of the oak began to twist and move. Seamlessly, they became three women, seemingly human from the waist up sinuously bending branches from the waist down. Three dryads, each one an individual, and collectively the singular entity through which the world soul of Ravnica was said to speak. Kaya speaks to the Tristani and tells her that they are here to see the original guild pack, and then says the Dryad of Order, who is the rightmost body, responds, Our roots tell us you seek to serve the investigation that you will find the person responsible for targeting our fellows. And then Sim, the Dryad of Harmony, who is the leftmost of the dryads, tells Kaya that they are honored to assist and that they've been informed of Tasa's death. And then Kaya responds that Taysa's death will be avenged. And I mean, she says this with like real conviction. And Oba, the Dryad of Life, who is the centermost dryad in the sisters, Asks Kaya, like all the deaths while you were gone. So she's even being attacked by Tristani, which isn't just bananas. Oh, my gosh. Like, poor Kaya cannot catch a break. Yeah, Kaya really can't catch a break. Like, it just
1: seems like she's so misunderstood. That's that's what I'm getting. And that's what I sense is that no one it it seems like unless you were a planeswalker witnessing the invasion from all kind of like how we were, we were a little bit as a reader, we were omniscient throughout the invasion. And so I can imagine what it's like on a singular plane, seeing it from their just very narrow perspective, right over these terrible things happening to your home. And where were the planeswalkers to be able to later there were supposed to be the heroes to save them. And that was kind of what the pedestal that Kaya was placed on because she was supposed to be there for Ravnica. Um, But it's, it's really difficult for me who understands the expansive destruction of the invasion over like, well, it wasn't just Ravnica. Kaya was off saving so many other people who needed her. I, I mean, I know, I know that Ravnica doesn't see it that way, but for in this episode in particular, I just I became very frustrated over no one understands Kaya. No one understands what she's been through. And it's interesting
0: in this moment because even Oba's sisters kind of take notice of this. I mean, they are the Dryads of life, harmony, and order, and the Dryad of life is kind of coming for Kaya right now. Like, yeah. And Natalie, will you read the response of her sisters? Yeah, absolutely. Her sisters
1: turned on her. The three normally united dryads, twining around one another as they returned to their usual accord. Oba was, Kaya noted, the central body now. Did that correspond to her influence in the tripart being? Life triumphant in the aftermath? She couldn't have said either way. And I mean, whoa, that's that's interesting. When I read this, this was very interesting. And Sim informs Kaya and Kellen that Tulsimir will show them to the Guild Pact and that they should be able to find anything they need to know there. And here is when Kaya begins to think that Tristania is acting a little strange. She asks Tulsimir if the Dryads seem different now, but Tulsamir says that she's simply still adjusting to her new shape of Vitugazi, which, I mean, su- I suppose makes sense. You know, you nearly lost your whole being. I I guess
0: you can give a little bit of graciousness to them readjusting. Exactly. So Kaya and Kellen are led to the Guild Pact, and without much direction of what she's looking for, I mean, Judith was not exactly helpful. Kaya begins to just read about Judith's guild, which is Rakdos, And that just seems like a good place to start, right? Like Judith talks about herself all the time. Judith herself won't be in there, but her guild will. So let's start there. So Kaya reads about the guild's purpose. And then I'm going to read this to y'all because I just found it really interesting. So this is in reference to the guild of Rakdos. The cult's purpose is to be twofold, to serve the people of Ravnica and to placate the demon Rakdos through blood and through fire. They shall satisfy their hungers as they see fit, and in doing so shall keep Rakdos satisfied. We hope, by binding the guild to him, that he will find a greater purpose than destruction. And Kellen here asks if there's anything in there, aside from the guild pact.
1: The book seems too large to contain just the one book. And Kaya finds that there are also histories of the guilds. She reads one of these aloud. It is the hope of the founders that, by binding the demon Rakdos to a people of his own, we can prevent his continuing to instill murderous rage in the citizens of Ravnica.
0: This just I'm sorry r- to interrupt, but that's such a great lie. We can prevent his continuing to instill murderous rage in the citizens of Ravnica. Like, in in and just this wow. very elevated historical <laughs> reference over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was so like cleverly written because it's, it's very legalese, right? But it's yeah. also, when you break it down, you're like, oh, okay, maybe maybe Rakdos really needs to be bound to something greater Yikes. than Rakdos, because yeah. Yeah. boy.
1: Yikes, yeah. So conti- so continuing in this very elevated historical passage about Rakdos. This disruptive pastime has resulted in random slaughter and rampages, with even the meekest of people turning on their kin without warning or due cause. Slowly, Kaya looked up. Didn't Etrada say she didn't remember killing Zagana? She asked. Kellen nodded. Would Judith really implicate her own parent? He asked, voice unsteady. To save her own skin? She might. Kaya stepped away from the book, mouth set in a grim line. We need to report this to Ezra as soon as possible. And that is how
0: our episode ends today, is reading that about Rakdos. So what's interesting here is that Rakdos instills murderous rage in people like even in the meekest of people. So imagine that in an assassin in someone who's like, you know, been like trained to kill. So is it Rictus?
1: It it really it would make sense, but I can't yeah. help but see. So we talked about this last episode where yeah. Rictus just feels easy. Right? It's so it, obvious. It feels right? too easy. And and Kellen has a good question. Over, but why would Judith implicate Rakdos? Right, she is Rakdos. Why would she be yeah. implicating the demon she serves? You know, she's she's supposed to serve Rakdos, who is the ultimate leader of Rakdos the Guild. So why would she implicate that this was his doing? It the motive. Who on Ravnica yeah.
0: knows? Why Judith does anything she does. That's very Everything true. Everything she does is selfish. Everything she does is about entertainment, is about herself, is about the dramatics. She could literally be doing this just for the fun of it. You know, like, That's true. I do not and that claim to Rakdos. understand her motives. <laughs> yeah, that is
1: Rakdos. Maybe there is no motive and it's just chaos yeah. because that is what Rakdos exactly. does. I'd like, I, I have so many questions still, though. I, I do have, too. like, it's I feel like we're getting close. We're getting really close. We're kind of unveiling and peeling back pieces of this. But I'm also so curious as to what. So what was the powder that was found in Etrada's yeah. hidey hole? Right. Like, w- I like know. we don't know what this is. And, you know, neither does Proft or Etrada. Etrada had never what seen this. Where it come from?
0: Yeah, Atrada's hideout was very locked down. And yes, that skylight was damaged and Massacre Girl was able to get in that way. But let's keep in mind that Massacre Girl is a very good assassin. And like her training, her job, her entire life is sneaking into places. So, yeah, it's Massacre Girl. How did someone else that's not skilled, like highly, highly skilled, how would how would someone else get in there? So that's really interesting, too. And, you know, like how does that tie into raptos Like, why would they want to implicate a Like what does that right. serve? So right. I still have a lot of questions too, but you know, we have five more episodes in this series. There are 10 stories for this set. So we still have five more to go to figure out what is really going on. Who is behind these killings and who else is next? Like, I'm so you know, excited to this find is, out. We are two guild masters down. Like what's going to happen after this? So Remember, we're releasing those full audio narrations just before we drop our recap. So if you want to listen to both, you now can. Also, if you'd like to leave us a review, we would be so happy to read it. And thank you. Thank you so much to all the people who've already left reviews. We read everyone and we appreciate you so much. As always, you can read the full story for yourself at mtgstory.com. Thanks so much all for tuning in today. And we will see you in
1: our next episode for Murders at Karlov Manor coming to you right around the corner. But until then,
0: have have a magical magical day.
1: day.